0: So, so that kind of led me to a place where I, I really gradually started to get comfortable with the idea that God might not be there, mm. and that I have to I have to make my way in this world without that certainty anymore. Yeah. And uh, and so that sort of was a private thing for a while, and then eventually, I started having conversations with my wife, and I was like, "Look, I I feel like I want to say something publicly because." I just feel like if I if I don't say anything publicly then there's this there's this sort of like asymmetry going on where I was public about matters of faith but not public about this. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. and then I also felt like sometimes there's a culture of shame in Christianity that's 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 associated with having doubts or having questions.
1: So good to see you, or not see you, but I guess know in some way that you're here. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, we're we're not in the middle of a series right now. Uh, we're just having a I don't know a series of helpful dialogues or conversations, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is episode number 125, and I've been really excited to share this one with you. I've been sitting on this one for a while. Uh, today we're sitting down with John. Steingard. Now, if you don't know who John Steingard is, I'm sorry, Uh, but that means that you're not really into the Christian music scene. (laughs) Um, John Steingard was the lead singer of one of my favorite uh, Christian bands. In my opinion, one of the bigger Christian bands. Uh, John disagrees in the episode, but uh, it's my podcast, (laughs) and I think that uh, they were one of the biggest Christian bands back in the day. Uh, Hawk Nelson. And if you don't know the story, and he'll share it in the episode, but to kind of give you a sneak peek, he was the lead singer, and uh, he came out uh, about two years ago, I think, on Instagram, maybe about a year ago. Yeah, about a year ago on Instagram. <sighs> what year is it? I don't even know what year it is. It's 2020 has it's been bonkers, but it was about a year ago. Uh, he came out on Instagram, social media, and basically said like, hey, I'm not really too sure... I believe in God anymore. And so, when you're a lead singer for a prominent Christian band uh, that is very well known in the evangelical world, uh, coming out and saying that you don't think you believe in God or don't know if you believe in God, like the internet blew up. (laughs) You people just went nuts. And he's been on this journey where he's deconstructing things, he's asking questions, he's expressing doubts, he's He's following where it all leads, and uh, I mean, he's got a family. He's got two kids, and now he's just doing his own, his own thing with some video production. And it's just really inspiring story. And I, I was so excited to talk to him because I listened to their music a lot growing up, and it's so cool for me to see somebody who I I listened to and admired growing up, who's on a very similar journey. Uh, As my own. And so it was an honor to bring him on the podcast and uh, get to sit down and talk with him and hopefully we'll be able to continue the conversation again because in the conversation a whole lot of other things came up that like we could have multiple episodes about. Uh, We talk about like hell, we talk about other religions, we talk about all sorts of things. So uh, maybe we'll get him back on but really good stuff coming up. So sit tight. Uh, In a couple weeks, it's December. (laughs) already. it's gets hard to believe that we're almost to Christmas, but uh, it's true. And we have an Advent series coming uh, called Good News for All People, uh, where we're going to talk to some heavy hitters about some really good stuff. So to give you the lineup, we have uh, Bruxy Cavey is coming on uh, for episode one. He's a a pastor of a church up in Canada. Super cool guy. Uh, We're going to be talking to... John Dominic Crossan, he's coming on uh, to share all sorts of things about the historical context of the Christmas story. And uh, he's going to blow your mind and probably shake the boat (laughs) a little bit if you know uh, Dom. Really good stuff. We have the naked pastor coming on, uh, David Hayward, to talk to us about how he understands good news for all people. And then we're going to close it out with uh, Alexander John Shia, who's going to talk to us about the period of time after Christmas and the importance of that um, in the early church. So really good stuff coming up. We're going to talk about good news for all people. So look forward to that. It starts in a a couple weeks. Uh, Special music today is by my friend Derek Webb. Uh, So if you don't know Derek Webb, he also used to be part of a prominent uh, Christian band, And now he also uh, is in that place of deconstruction and uh, rethinking all sorts of things. He's making his own music, and it's wonderful. So uh, he has been kind enough to send me some of the MP3 files, and I will share them with you in this episode. But go check him out on Spotify, Apple Music, all the places. Uh, Download it, pass it around. Tell your friends about Derek Derek Webb, uh, really, really good guy. Patreon, patreon.com slash whatifproject is a place where you can go to support the show financially, so if this has encouraged you, inspired you, pushed you forward in your faith, it's a place where you can go to show some support. There's different tiers of giving. Every tier gets its own reward, uh, so go check that out, along with the Heretic Shop. If you want to buy a hoodie, a t-shirt, that sort of stuff, I have some new designs coming to the shop pretty soon uh, for the holidays, so... Uh, Keep an eye on that. I'll put the link to those things in the show notes along with Derek Webb's music and a link to uh, John Steingard as well. So all of that to say, this is episode number 125 and it's my conversation with John Steingard. Let's roll the tape. friends welcome back to the podcast Uh, today is a good day to drop by the show because we're sitting down with my friend john steingard who used to be the lead singer of one of my very favorite christian bands uh growing up the one and the only hawk nelson so john uh thanks for dropping by it's an honor to talk with you dude of course man so i used to listen to hawk nelson like all the time and even now as i mentioned before we hit record um i'm going through deconstruction reconstruction but i still throw on some of those Tunes as I write and I study because it takes me back to a, a special place. But, real quick, I wanted to ask you, I wanted to talk to you about maybe favorite bands before we jump into anything mm. too deep. Now, it might surprise you, but my all time favorite band still and always will be Reliant K. Oh, that's
0: I'm like, fair. Yeah. I'm
1: the biggest Reliant K junkie on earth. And to huh. give you kind of a snapshot as to my obsession, uh, my daughter, like I said, is three. And she already knows all the lyrics to Sadie Hawkins Dance. Wow! Yeah, we are we are nuts over here.
0: But, but that's impressive. <laughs> but who do you got? Um, Give me I think the list. it's always I think it's always evolving. Um, I like I know Hawk was you know in our early days we were really a pop punk band, but mm-hmm. pop punk was never really my thing exactly. Um, and so you're and in a that's... band
1: that was pop punk, but it wasn't your thing.
0: Yeah, not necessarily. I mean, like, I really enjoyed being in a band and touring. And I, you know, I, the music was fun, but I don't sure. think that, like, that wasn't the kind of music I really listened to that much. I listened to much more just, like, straight-ahead uh, pop and um, sort of Brit pop was always some of my favorite, like, growing up. You know, growing up, I loved Delirious, which was sort of this, like, yes. this this really strange... I mean, like, they're a band that could not exist in America because <laughs> because they... They, uh, they were a worship band, but then they also put out music that was played on like secular radio in the UK. Mm. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're, they're music. It's like in America, like people want to pin you down a little bit more than that. And so like, are you a so- Christian band or no? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And so like that sort of question, I don't know, didn't really, I don't know that that question was posed in the same way in the, in the UK, but, mm. but I loved like, um, Growing up, I loved uh, Radiohead, mm. Travis, um, a lot of sort of Brit Brit pop, um, and you know, I'm sure Tom York would cringe by me saying calling Radiohead pop, but it was like, <laughs> you know, come on, it was in the late '90s, it was on pop radio, sure, um, and uh, and then you know, like love, love Coldplay. Mm. Um, I know that it's s- such a, a a basic white dude thing to love coldplay but right. i'm fine but i'm totally fine with it it's like the stereotype <laughs> yeah like i'm fine i'm fine i'm comfortable with it. i'm 37 years old i'm not trying to prove how indie i am anymore right you know? so yeah i mean i think if i had to pick like a favorite band at this point in my life it would probably be coldplay because they've just i feel like they've gone through so many seasons where mm. the music that they put out at that time was like perfect for me at that time yep you know like when when parachute came out and you know uh that whole album is so vibey and like melancholy and then you know they've had really triumphant seasons and then you know they've had really sort of low seasons i don't know i just i just i you know chris martin has my number man
1: that's fair enough yeah that's fair enough. (laughs) i like it so you have an interesting story and uh what i wanted to do today is pretty much kind of give you the space to share that story in whatever level of detail you'd like uh, with our listeners, because I think it's one that a lot of people are going to connect with. Like you grew up as a PK, right? A pastor's kid. Uh, You were part of one of the biggest Christian bands for a long time. Uh, So you were obviously ingrained. that's
0: generous. I'm not sure I would agree with you on that. (laughs) Well, I'm I'm
1: saying it because I was a big fan. So I'm throwing (laughs) it out there. I'm making the claim today. Uh, So you're obviously ingrained in like American Christian culture, and then a bunch yeah. of months back, you made this announcement on social media that you're not really too sure kind of where you're at with God and you're kind of taking heat from all over the place. So uh, maybe fill in the blanks for us and take us on the journey. Sure. A little bit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so like you said, I, I grew up in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. My dad's a pastor. Um, I grew up. Is in he a still a caring- pastor? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. He is. Um, yeah. and, and he also teaches uh, sort of here and there at Bible colleges. He's a, you know, he has his doctorate. He's very educated. Um, he literally learned Greek so he could read the the old the New Testament in in its sort of original Greek form. So he went all that in. just <laughs> yeah, that kind of gives you the the a picture of what kind of you know he, my dad's pretty scholarly. Yeah. So um, so I grew up, you know, he's scholarly, but the churches I grew up in were very very charismatic, and so those lots of sort of crazy stuff happening around me. Like people, you know, roaring like lions and shaking and falling over, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Tons of that stuff. Um, And, and, you know, that was my normal. And it didn't, I didn't learn until later that that's like, that's not sort of your average expression of Christianity. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Uh, And and I'm not passing judgment on it. When I say that, I I just like, you know, uh, when you're, when you're raised in a certain, environment and culture it's just that's just your normal right and mm-hmm. so you sort of assume that this is you know this is what it means to be a christian that's your bubble yeah. um right right so uh as i got older i, I sort of uh, journeyed beyond that a little bit i moved out pretty young on my i moved out on my own pretty young around 17 mm-hmm. and um uh started going to a baptist church and i remember being like oh wow this is like structured like they finish on time. (laughs) And and when they sing a song. Yeah. When they sing a song, they sing it one time through. And then they (laughs) sing another song and one time through. And then they have announcements and they have a message. And when, you know, they do teaching series where they're like, oh, this month we're gonna teach on the book of Ephesians and we're gonna work through it together as a church. And it's like very structured. Hmm. And I actually really liked that. Um and then around the age of twenty I joined this band, Hawk Nelson. It had sort of been uh operating before I was in the band but but they were just sort of getting started and so I I joined right around I wasn't a part of making the first record Letters to the President but I was uh, a part of touring it and then I was a part of making every album after that um so I started touring in 2004 with Hawk and uh in 2012 I became the singer I moved from the guitar player to the singer role yeah. because our old singer left and and then um sort of uh transitioned into, uh, the main songwriter as well. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, uh, as we've already talked about, like I, I, I wasn't a huge pop punk guy myself. And so I definitely took the band in a much more pop oriented direction. Mm. Um, but along with that, um, you know, when you're writing songs and when you're in Christian music, I mean, there's a number of dynamics there. Like one of them was, I, I noticed, you know, this, this, um, this tendency to to like when we started as a band it was very common for there to be sort of christian versions of general market bands so you know like you know if if the culture was such that like in a lot of a lot of christian culture it was like parents would be like oh if your kids like Blink 182. Here, give them Reliant K and Hawk right. Nelson, right?
1: Yep, yep.
0: Right, and so and and so you can. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that that culture was good or bad. It just sure. it was. Yeah. And um and we benefited from that for sure. Um and and over time, it became. I think Christian culture changed from that perspective and became more nuanced, and and so. So parents, instead of being like arbitrarily, like if they're not Christians, we don't want you to listen to their music. It's like, well, let's, let's take a look and, you know, see, and it became more, more normal for a Christian's, you know, mom to take her daughter to see Taylor Swift or something like that. It's like an
1: evolution there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, Which I actually think is good because it's like parents are looking at things individually instead of as categories. And so it's a, it's a, it's a more thoughtful approach to Mm. like what, what your kids are taking in. Um, but what that meant was there, there wasn't really a need anymore for sort of Christian versions of other things. Mm. Um, and, and so you had these, you know, bands that, that wanted to sort of like ride that fine line between Christianity and general market. And we were mm. definitely sort of one of those bands. And uh, th- that just didn't fly anymore. And it was like, if you're going to be in Christian music, you know, audiences really wanted you to be m- much more explicit about your faith. And I, mm. I sort of recognized that plus at the time I was like, I was like, Hey, like if we're doing this, like, why don't we sing about the things that we believe in most deeply? Like that actually makes sense to me. Mm, right. <laughs> and, and so I sort of, I sort of was part of this push of, of, of being a lot more explicit about our faith. And, um, and so we did that, you know, starting in 2013, I think our, our album made came out, which was the mm-hmm. first one with me as the singer. And, uh, and and right away we, we were embraced at Christian radio more than we ever had been. And, and that was like really cool. Mm. And, um, uh, but in this, it sort of brought me into this place where we were in this cycle where every, where like every other year we sort of needed a new album. So I was constantly looking for new inspiration and, you know, what are the things that we want to be saying? And I started, you know, reading a lot. I was already a reader, but I started reading a lot more about, theology and 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 just sort of christian you know what why we believe what we believe as christians you know sure sure. and and digging in actually started to trouble me on Mm -hmm. on some levels because i started being like well wait 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 like do i believe all this stuff (laughs) you know and um, hold on a second (laughs) yeah yeah and then sort of experientially i was experiencing things in christian culture that were bothering me and I was noticing that um, the Christian culture that I was a part of in 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 the U.S. and in sort of Christian music was becoming increasingly polarized. Like, mm. um, like being a Christian meant, you know, if you're if you say you're a Christian, people, uh, you know, would assume that you're a Republican, would assume that you're pro-life, would assume that you're anti same-sex marriage, yeah. would assume like all these. It's like the minute you say you're a Christian, it's like all these things. And I'm like, well i mean i might agree with most of those but but maybe not all and Mm. and that that sort of started to bother me and then um you know i i started experiencing more and more and more things where i was like i don't i don't know and and um and i and then separately i started i started doing more video production on the side i I kind of got into that as like a side hustle and that that work really grew to the point where i realized that i could actually do that for a career if i wanted and i started to think about that and and i started to move in that direction and when i did that i had this sort of epiphany that i'm like if i do video for a career and if i step away from christian music then that means that i don't really need to believe anything in particular for my career Mm -hmm. and and i sort of went well if I don't have to believe anything in particular, what do I believe? And it it opened this door that I hadn't even really considered to uh, that that you know maybe I actually don't believe this stuff. Um, and and I hadn't really allowed myself to consider that because it, w- it would have been so detrimental to my life, you know. Um, that I, I didn't even realize how many doubts I had pushed down Mm. um and so once I started entertaining them and once I started stepping back from Christian music and and doing more film work I just realized there was this flood of doubts and questions that were just like waiting for an opportunity to show up Mm. and um and so that was most of 2019 for me where it was just like wave after wave of like uh i don't know about that and you know that <laughs> like means maybe, maybe i don't know another. about this and yeah. like yeah it's like it's and and i you know in the post that you mentioned i i used the analogy of the sweater mm. and, and, and that's a pretty apt description for me because it it was never one thing it was just gradually it's like oh i don't know about this and i don't know about this and 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 gradually it sort of got me to a place where i started questioning the most basic fundamental tenets of christianity and mm. Once I was there, I was like I was like is it possible that God is not real? And when I had that realization, dude, that that sort of triggered like a 6 or 8 month depression. Yeah. Because it was the foundation that I had built my life on, you know. Mm. And so um sometimes when people walk away from faith, there's this there's this notion that, you know, they're doing it because there's a bunch of sin in their life and they want to justify it. And, and, you know, well, I'm certainly not perfect. I, I, I don't feel like there was like any big, you know, bad scary thing in my life that I was trying to justify. I just, I, I legitimately sort of gradually stopped believing and, mm-hmm. uh, and it wasn't like, it wasn't really a welcome thing. It, it, yeah. it was pretty troubling um and a lot of it's sort of sort of sort of had to do with becoming a father as well and mm-hmm. and realizing that I've got this responsibility of raising these two kids and teaching them, you know, what I believe to be true. And so yeah. it's like, well, if you're going to teach them what you believe to be true, then you probably need to know what you believe to be true. Right. <laughs> you know, and so <laughs> sure. and, and and so, you know, I started going to therapy and that came up in in my counseling sessions a lot, like mm. Like, you know, I really want to do this right, you know, and my therapist would be like, you know, do you think there's such a thing? Um, uh, and that was a really good question, but I also responded, well, I think there's such a thing as doing it wrong. Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah. So so that kind of led me to a place where I, I really gradually started to get comfortable with the idea that God might not be there mm. and that I have to I have to make my way in this world without that certainty anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and so that sort of was a private thing for a while. And then eventually uh, I started having conversations with my wife and I was like, look, I, I feel like I want to say something publicly because I just feel like if I, if I don't say anything publicly, then there's this, there's this sort of like asymmetry going on where I was public about matters of faith, but not public about this. Yeah, and then mm. and then I also felt like sometimes there's a culture of shame in Christianity that's 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 associated with having doubts or having questions. And I felt no, like
1: no, I don't believe that at <laughs> all.
0: <laughs> right. Well, I, I I feel I felt like if I wasn't willing to talk about this stuff publicly, then I was contributing to that.
1: Yes. and and
0: so that's that's what led me to to post Mm -hmm. publicly and and you're right you know since then I mean I've had I've had tons of people that have been really loving and supportive and Mm -hmm. and and plenty of people who've uh who've given me a pretty hard time but you know like I like I tell people I mean like I I was before I ever put myself in this position I was already in music for 15 years and so You know, for 15 years, I had people telling me that, that my music sucked. And so now now I have people used telling to <laughs> me that my that my theology sucks. And so I'm just like, it's not, it's, I've got a lot of practice at um, not taking things too personally.
1: <laughs> sure. I think you bring up a really good point that it's like, you know, you talk about the sweater analogy and how it's, you know, I think a big misconception when it comes to deconstruction. And I've been accused of this a lot. It's like, it's not like I just woke up one day and decided, Oh, Hey, I don't believe all these things anymore. Like it's a a gradual process. Like nobody decides like, Hey, I'm going to decide to make this huge shift in my life and in my faith. And thus basically put all of my relationships from the past pretty much in jeopardy because a lot of people kind of jump off the ship and they don't want everything to do with you yeah. anymore it's like it's not like i'm deciding to put myself through all this pain just in a snap decision like this is a long yeah process
0: yeah and i think it's important to recognize there's a distinction between what you believe and what you say you believe mm. um and 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 i know that's like sort of like obvious on the surface but but here's something to think about that um I think that you do get to choose what you say you believe, but I don't think you get to choose what you believe. Mm. So let me give you an example. Um, uh, I'd be willing to bet that, um, you know, if someone put a gun to your head and said, you you have to believe in um, Islam, you Mm. know, for instance, that that you could say that you believe in Islam, but I'm not sure you could will yourself to believe it if you don't already believe it. Right. Like if you're not a Muslim, if, if you're not a Muslim, Hmm. you know uh, then the same way that a a Muslim, you know, like a, a, an ardent, you know, like dedicated Muslim would, would have the same problem with Christianity. Right. Like this is not directed at Muslims specifically. It's just, if you hold a particular view genuinely and someone tries to force you to hold a different view, like, you can say that you hold another view, but you, mm. you, you, you can't authentically hold another view just based on willing it to be so. Yeah. And so, and, and so that's one of the things I think about in this. I'm just like at this point, like I, I, I don't believe, I, I'm open to the idea that God is there, but I don't actively believe that he is. Mm. And, um, and like, I can't just like choose to believe that he is if I don't. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, not a, it's not a choice.
1: Yeah, once you see something, you can't unsee. Dude, so, oh my gosh. Right? My,
0: wife, my wife and I talk about the matrix all the time because it just yeah. feels like we've been unplugged from the matrix. And we're just <laughs> like, oh, wow. Like, this is how it looks out here. <laughs> right, it's completely yeah. different.
1: Now, it sounds from the way you're talking that, like, when you were still in the Christian music world i think you said it was 2019 right when you were kind of going through Uh, yeah the
0: beginning the beginning of 19 is really when this sort of deconstruction started in earnest for me yeah
1: got it did it feel like you were kind of like in a almost like the music and like that that scene was like a cage for you as you were trying to like you weren't able to like expand those those wings that you felt like were growing like was it was it difficult to kind of grow and evolve when you were still in that place
0: oh certainly Mm -hmm. um And and you know I I, I'm not certain at the time I I knew that it was growth (laughs) you know (laughs) like at the at the time I just knew that I was uncomfortable um, because I I continually felt my my gut pulling me in one direction and um and the culture I was a part of pulling me in another so so as an example um, when when the Supreme Court passed the legislation legalizing same-sex marriage. I remember feeling like that was a good thing, mm, you know? Yeah. I remember being like, man, like I, I at that point, I remember I had, I, I had friends that were gay that, that were, that were in long-term relationships and wanted to get married mm. and like issues, political issues change um, drastically w- when you're connected to them personally, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, And so like, I had these, you know, I had these guys that I knew that wanted to get married and I really cared about these guys. And I was like, well, I know it doesn't undermine my marriage to have these two guys get married. I mean, they're already mm. together. They've been together for 10 years. They're already in a committed relationship, regardless of what your views on homosexuality are. It's like, it's like they're already in a relationship mm. and, 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 they want to commit to each other the way that my wife are, and I are committed to each other. Mm. And I just saw that as like analogous to the civil rights issue. I'm just like, a hundred years from now, we're going to look back and be like, you mean homosexual couples weren't able to get married? Like, like that's, that's, that's what's going to happen. And we're going to be shocked that we were, anyone was ever against it. You know?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: at least that's, that's my view. I'm sure certain people would disagree or feel that that's horrifying. Right. Um, but, but, you know, plenty of people said the same thing about about the civil rights movement. So, um, so, so that was an example of something that like, like I knew I couldn't publicly support same sex mm-hmm. marriage, yeah um, but but I wanted to because mm-hmm. it felt like it felt like being on the right side of history, it felt like being on the right side of morality, it felt like being on the right side of love and compassion yeah. and caring about people
1: yeah
0: um and and so and so that was just one of many moments where I, I noticed my gut pulling me in one direction and and the culture i was a part of pulling me in a different one yeah and i and i never felt like i could fully go with my gut because it would it would cost me
1: it's mm. um, almost like your, your it, livelihood is at stake i mean at that oh point, yeah right? and there
0: were yeah. there were other christian artists that actually did come out and say that they supported the legislation yeah and um, so a good example is uh, Dan Hazeltine uh, from Jarza Clay. He's the yes, singer of Jarza of Clay. Yeah, and he he was in Australia when when the when the the bill was passed, and he he was about to get on a plane back to the U.S. and he tweeted something that indicated he supported same-sex marriage and then he got on the plane and it's a 16 hour flight from to LA <laughs> and so and so i guess in that time like it went bonkers and mm. basically by the time he landed their career was over wow um and i remember watching that whole thing go down and i was like well there's proof i can't say anything yeah um, and you know like there there's so many different views on on that stuff and and i get that but um, that was just an example where where for me, I didn't feel free to sort of move in the direction that my gut was sort of pulling me in.
1: Yeah, I've always felt that way. Just, I mean, in the parallels in the church. I mean, I, I pastored a church for a while and I was really involved in kind of the church scene and, you know, I was doing internships and we did a church plant and stuff like that. And there's just certain things that like, if you talk about these things, if you give support to this thing. All of a sudden, everything that you've built is at risk oh yeah oh um, yeah mm-hmm. and for me, like one of, the, one of the big things that i've that's really been a, um, like a big focal point of my faith journey has been like the doctrine of hell like, that's been one of the things that I've oh, dude, gone after oh, we could yeah
0: do, we could do an entire podcast just on that.
1: We probably should do that at, at um, some point because when rob bell's read... book came out, yeah, go ahead oh guys... yeah yeah oh, I was
0: like... gonna, I... yeah, love winds when love winds came out that. That maybe was sort of the big, maybe not the beginning of my deconstruction, but it, I read that book and I remember being like, this was, this was what my gut my gut reaction to that book was. Uh, I know that the culture I'm in doesn't agree with this, Yeah. but I so want this to be true.
1: Yes. I remember sitting you know, like in my desk reading this book. I, I read it probably in like two days. And I remember sitting yeah. there going, I really want this to be true. Yep, I can't talk about this because if I do like it's over yeah. <laughs> you know and I remember just yeah. feeling that and like cage like I feel like my there's something in me that wants to expand but I feel like I can't let it expand publicly because if it does it's going to ruin everything
0: right yeah. yeah you know I've heard I've heard uh I mean so Rob Bell is a lot different now as far as what media opportunities he's willing to sort of participate in yes um he's he sort of on love wins, he was still sort of doing the usual rounds of like Christian outlets. Mm. Um, And I think after, after that experience, I think he just stopped doing that. But I remember him going on this one show and, you know, a a, a theologian taking him to task on his theology of of Mm. heaven and hell and being like, do you really believe that everyone goes to heaven? And, and Rob's question was so freaking good. His response, he said, he said, "Don't you wish for that to be the case?" Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. don't don't you wish for everybody to go to heaven? Mm. And like, what a revealing question that is. You yeah. know, I had this thought yesterday, and I haven't, you know, written anything about it or or, or said anything about it to anyone yet. But but
1: Let this be the place where you drop it. Right yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah.
0: So like, I had this thought. So you know how like, you know how now in culture a lot of universities are cre- creating like safe spaces or whatever, and and sometimes conservatives will will criticize them for you know like will criticize liberals for being snowflakes have you heard the term snowflake oh yeah i've been called that a couple times but hurt too
1: but hurt snowflake was what i was
2: called
0: i think i I love the term but hurt i think that's so funny um but yeah it's like it's like so a snowflake i mean Correct me if, if if I'm wrong, but it seems to me that the definition of snowflake is basically like someone who can't handle being around people that view things other than the way they do, right?
1: I think that's what it is. That's what I've narrowed it down to after some Google searches. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and I was just thinking about the, the idea that the whole reason for the existence of hell is because God can't coexist with sin. He right. can't be around sin. Huh. And I was like, I was like, it's like God's the ultimate snowflake right that's very true and i know that's like super blasphemous um Mm. but uh but i had that thought i was like i was like where does that idea come from you know that god can't be around sin because it's like it just it doesn't sort of make sense with a lot of other christian ideas like you know
1: it doesn't even make it's sense like, well, in light of the incarnation, right? I mean, the incarnation says no, that no, it's like, the, it, God it's became like, well, human.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and God and Jesus was around, you know, human beings, and then, yeah. you, you know, you've got the burning bush with Moses, and like, um, and you know, obviously, like the burning bush is a is sort of a story of of God's presence being so intense that that Moses, you know, that God had to be careful not to just like. To absolutely you know kill Moses by accident or you know unintentionally right. you know like um and, and I'm like, well clearly like he you know at least a, a a large amount of his presence was there you know in this story mm. and and you know it 's not like Moses was perfect, Moses killed people mm-hmm. um, and 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 so, like God there is in the presence of 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 a sinner, so it's sort of like where does this doctrine come from of like God can't be in the presence of sin? It just yeah. doesn't make sense. It's not internally consistent to me. So it's
1: not. Yeah. And um, was, that was a huge phrase when I was growing up was God can't coexist with sin. I think right. Well, it's, yeah. it's
0: given as a reason to, to, um, to justify the existence of hell. Yes. Um, no. And, and so that makes no sense to me. Mm. Um, and Dude, when you get into stuff with heaven and hell, it's just like you run into contradictions really fast.
1: So many. And
0: and that was, you know, part of the thing for me. I'm just like, I'm like this, this, this whole thing, this whole way of looking at the world, the Christian perspective, it makes way more sense if we made it up. Yeah. You know, because then it's like, then it's like, well, if we made it up, then like, there's some really good stuff in there. Yeah. Um but but there's also some horrifying things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so it's so like maybe we can go through the process of going like hey, what's the good stuff and what's the maybe not so good stuff? Like right. the fact that the Bible explicitly condones slavery, maybe that's not so great. Mm-hmm. You know? Um mm-hmm. and and I've, you know, I've had people argue with me on that point that that that's not the case and I will I will just absolutely hold my ground on that statement because I've studied it a lot. And yeah. and and it's it's it requires unbelievable mental gymnastics in order to get around that, so you know, yeah. for your listeners if you if you disagree with me, go look at Deuteronomy <laughs> twenty and look at numbers thirty one deuteronomy twenty and numbers thirty one and I could give you more, but those are the two worst ones
1: those are the two and so yeah, go ahead, no keep going so
0: I was just, I was just going to say like like um. You know, I I look at other religions the same way. Like, mm-hmm. like I actually really love Buddhism, hmm. um, and that's not because I buy into the metaphysical the metaphysical like beliefs of of, of Buddhism, but it's sure. but it's because I like I don't believe in reincarnation, for instance. Mm. But um, but I uh, I mean, but it's as plausible as plenty of Christian beliefs, right? For sure. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and 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 I look at Buddhism and I go, wow, actually there's some teachings in Buddhism that can be really helpful as far as like taking them and applying them to your life. Um, And I feel the same about Taoism actually. And Mm -hmm. um, I've studied both of those a a good bit. Um, And I feel the same about Christianity that, Mm -hmm. that I think there's a ton of good stuff in Christianity. I mean like the sermon on the Mount is powerful. Like that is that, that goes down as one of the most meaningful bits of, of sort of, you know, scripture in any faith ever. Um, Huge, Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, I look at, I, I'm looking at all religions these days through like the lens of like, what can I learn and what can I apply? And um, Have you ever
1: read a uh, Barbara Brown Taylor's Holy Envy?
0: No, no, yeah, I don't so know that
1: one. Yeah. So she wrote a book called Holy Envy and she used to be an Episcopal priest. She left the, the church world and went to teach a world religions class. And so she had a quickly study up on all these different world religions, took the students called, on multiple field trips. Holy envy. It's called
0: holy envy. Okay. Yep. I'm literally I'm I'm going on Kindle It's so right good.
1: Now. And she talks about like takes you through like every religion that she taught the class and teaches like talks about how she almost had this like envious feeling for different truths found in the different religions. Mm, and how she's like, I didn't so good. She's like, I don't have to leave my love for christ in order to go into this other religion but she's like i feel like we can all coexist together and the one phrase she uses that's always caught me is i might go and travel to other religions during the day but i always come home to christ at night and she's like that's just she's like that that's just the way that i view other religion i thought that was so powerful because like to your point there's so many great things in judaism and buddhism and all these different religions that are wonderful and i think we don't have to go to those things to become a Buddhist, but they can help make us a better Christian or better, whatever yeah. it is that we are. They can just help us make us a better human being. I think that's huge.
0: Yeah. And, and I mean, the thing, the things I really love about Buddhism are, um, are primarily sort of practices like meditative mm. practices and stuff like that. Um, yep. I, I think that, I think that one of the fundamental things that the Christian perspectives sort of do to you is that they give you, what I would consider sort of an an eternal perspective, Mm. which is like, you're always thinking about heaven and hell. You're thinking about your own soul and souls of other people. You're thinking about where you're going to spend eternity. And obviously like, you know, if those things are real, that's actually pretty important to do. But, but, but what there's a cost. And to me, the cost is that Christians are actually not very good at being in the moment. Mm. Really not good at it. Um, And, and, um, it's always about the, you know, the future and what God's going to do and revival is coming. I mean, how many times have I heard people say revival is coming and I'm Mm -hmm. like, well, okay, well, what are you doing right now? Like Mm -hmm. now is where we are now, you know, and, and Buddhist, uh, Buddhist uh, sort of philosophies are incredibly good at bringing your focus back to the present. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's one thing that I've, that I've really appreciated. And, I think, I think that the discipline of non-attachment is really misunderstood. Like, mm. like I think, um, I think Christians tend to look at, uh, the, the sort of detached, uh, it's like non-attachment and detachment to me are not the same thing. It's like, mm. it's like Christians will look at it at that sort of Buddhist principle and say like, well, the way that they deal with suffering is to detach yourself from everything and not feel anything. Yeah, and 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 i and i actually don't think that's true like i think i think what buddhists are really doing is they're they're finding a sort of stillness in the present Mm. and and they actually talk about intention a lot like intention is important Mm. and so so they they talk about what you intend to bring into the world Mm. um and then you 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 have you cultivate these intentions that are healthy and then as you walk out those intentions you recognize that sometimes life goes in another direction Mm. and you have to be aware not to be attached to the end result. Mm. But that's different than being totally detached from everything, you know? And, 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 you know, they use the example sometimes of like, you know, I'm currently drinking tea. I would love to have another cup of tea, but if I don't have another cup of tea, that's okay. I can just enjoy the cup of tea that I have. Mm. And, and there's a sort of like beauty in that and a simplicity in that and, and a, a sense of appreciation for every small good thing that you have. Yeah. Um, and that's different than, than, than being detached from everything. Yeah, you know? That's true. Um, I think so, that's a really good yeah. point
1: that like Christianity is all, I mean, for me, like growing up in, in the world and you grew up in the world too, it's all, like you said, it's always about the next life, making sure that yeah, like you're on yeah. the right track so you go to heaven. Make sure you get everybody else on the right track, which means technically believing all the right things and evangelizing them so they get to heaven too. But you know, I think that's one of the biggest things that jumped out at me in, in Love Wins and in Rob's book is that you know Jesus's focus was about now. Like you can create heaven now, or you can create hell now. Like what Dude, kind of world are we going to create? And that just totally blew my mind. Like it's inside out thinking from what I've yes. been raised to believe.
0: When I when I read the Gospels and I see when when Jesus talks about Cause it's interesting, the words, well, first off, I mean, like, I don't believe that we can know for sure that any of the things in the gospels actually happened the way they're told. I mean, sure. I mean, they might, they may have, but I, I don't think that we can know whether that's true or not. Yeah. Um, but, but the things that are attributed to Jesus, you know, the sayings that are attributed to him in the gospels, um, there, there's some really interesting phrasing in there um, because he, he talks about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And you have to sort of understand that, that, that Christianity didn't exist when Jesus was, you know, in doing his ministry, like mm-hmm. he was a Jewish apocalyptic prophet. Yep. And there was a tradition, there was a long-standing tradition of what that meant. And, and he was, he was working within that framework. Mm-hmm. And so, and so within that framework, when he says the kingdom of God, he's not talking about heaven the way we think about it now he's, he's talking about like participating. I mean, I think this is yeah. my opinion uh, and, and I'm sure there's people that would disagree, but I think what he's talking about is, is the way that we live our lives now, when we make choices, we're participating in creation. Hmm. And so we're, and so we're, we're, we're either bringing about heaven right now, or we're bringing about hell right now. And so sometimes, you know, like people ask you know, I mean, do you believe in hell? And I'm like, I'm like, well, it depends what you mean by hell. I mean, if you mean like an afterlife where we all burn forever if we don't accept, you know, if we don't pray the sinner's prayer right, then mm-hmm. then no. But but look around at the world around yes, us. Like there's yes. plenty of hell here. Yeah. Plenty of it. That's um right. and and so when when you read the sayings of Jesus in the context of thinking about him, talking about the way that we live our lives and the effects mm-hmm. it has on ourselves and others because it just sort of changes everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, I do believe in heaven and hell it, in, in the sense that I believe w- everything we do is, is creating one or the other, yeah. you know, and is, 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 is making our current reality more like one or the other. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that when I read the sayings of Jesus, that's what I see. Um, And certainly that's my sort of interpretation. So I'm I'm sure plenty of people would would disagree with me on that and that's okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But I think that, I think that's totally on point because I mean, you think of, you know, Jesus was speaking in a world that was, the kingdom was the kingdom of Rome, right? The Roman empire. Yes. They're all about violence and, you know, killing and it's peace through victory. And Jesus comes along and says, yeah, the kingdom of God is very different. And, you know, it was almost like bringing this other kingdom to earth and then leaving his followers with the responsibility to build that kingdom in the here and now.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think it's, you cannot extricate any of the events in the gospels from the setting of, of, of the, the Roman occupation. Like you can't, um, everything had a political ramification. Yep. Um, and so like, you know, I've heard, I've heard theories that, um, you know the story of Jesus turning over the tables in the temple. That that is what led him to be crucified, mm. because because he was basically arrested for that. Yeah. Um. You know. I'm. You know. The Bible doesn't seem to link those two things in that way. Um. But that's sort of a theory that is out there, and um. That was like the final straw. Yeah. Well, I think it's an interesting one. It's because yeah. it's it's you know um that there there was this sense that there was this impending sort of like the doom of, of a coming war between, you know, the Jews and, and Rome. And indeed it, it did happen. And, you know, in, in 70 AD, uh, the Roman army, you know, destroyed the temple and Mm -hmm. completely, you know, sacked Jerusalem. And, and, you know, what's interesting is, is so many of the sayings attributed to Jesus in the Bible Seem to indicate that Jesus was uh, prophesying those events, Mm. Um, but but the the gospels were all were all written. I mean, most of them were somewhat agreed to have been written after that. Yeah, (laughs) and so so the sort of the sort of question is like, well, if you write if you write stories about events that happened before. Before the the fall of Jerusalem, yeah, but you're writing them after the fall of Jerusalem. How yeah. difficult is it to make it look like they were predicted? Not very. Yeah. yeah. So
1: one of my favorite one of my favorite humans is uh, Alexander Shia. Uh, he's been on Rob's podcast a few times, but he wrote oh, a book cool. called um, Heart and Mind, and Before mm. Gospel Journey, and basically he walks you through kind of the context of each one of the, the gospels and one of his big um, points that he makes in the book is that, you know, these gospels, like you said, were written after the the events that you described and every writer was writing to a particular community of people. Yes, that's Trying true. to, you know, encourage them in some way, shape or form, you know, whether it was, I think it was Matthew's gospel, he says, was written to this group that was trying to put their life back together after the destruction of the temple. You have Mark mm. writing to a group of people who were, you know, the Christian Jews who were Messianic Jews who were blamed for the fire in Rome. You know, Nero was trying to hunt them down. Right. To, mm-hmm. and so you yeah. have all these different people writing these letters to these people, trying to encourage them to move them forward in their life. And like, if you take, if you rip it apart from that context, like you said, we can do stuff with the book and we can make it, carry a weight that it was never intended to carry
0: yeah and and i mean i should i should probably specify that i think most scholars actually think that um that mark was written because mark was the earliest one yeah most scholars actually think mark was written somewhere in like 65 ad or something like that so it's possible that mark was actually written before yeah um but 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 you know if you look at the gospel of john what's one of the things that's most interesting about the gospels to me is that the 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 idea of jesus being god seems to have developed over time yeah. because because mark the earliest gospel is the one that's the most humble about it about its claims that jesus was mm. was divine yeah. you know it doesn't have the virgin birth story mm. um it doesn't ever seem to indicate that Jesus said anything that explicitly indicated he believed he was God. Yeah. But then you get Matthew and Luke and they were written at least 10 years later or something mm-hmm. like that. And they, they both include the virgin birth story, which is, which is a development, you know, it's like that, yeah. you know, it indicates uh, a belief that Jesus was divine in some way. And then, and then you get the gospel of John, which was actually written much later, like like you know almost at the turn of the century you know 90 mm. 95 100 AD and and John is by far the most explicit about the divinity of Jesus and it was the last one to be written so that that's interesting to me because it's it's like well there's a development in the idea of the divinity of Jesus and it mm. it, it clearly developed over time yeah um and uh and I I just you know I look at stuff like that and I go okay well that that's pretty clear evidence to me that um time have have sort of been participating in the evolution of ideas about jesus yeah and i feel like
1: that makes me feel so much more comfortable in my own
0: evolution like i feel like i can just fit into that
1: story like if they're evolving in their ideas why is it not okay for me to be evolving in my ideas
0: yeah and and you know i i i know that there's a long-standing christian tradition of honoring you know the scriptures but Mm -hmm. when you study the the way the scriptures came together you realize it's all too all too human a process
1: that's right that's right i think in one of your instagram posts you called it uh archaic messy i have it here messy archaic biased Bottom, i think it's all of those things something like that yeah, yeah i'm trying to find it but yeah something like that but yeah i think i think you're right i think when you but look at it think that it's way meaningful yeah and you said yeah ah, here it is you said messy archaic biased, but brilliant library of books i, think, I think that's true i think that's the i think that's huge
0: yeah I, I i do think you know i still i still this is this is what keeps me in tension between sort of belief and unbelief is that like <laughs> is that i think all that is true but but then i also think that you know, the Bible is the most remarkable document we have in human yep. history. I think yep. it, it definitely is.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, how, what, what's interesting is like Jordan Peterson, I'm, I'm sure you're some, at least somewhat familiar with him. Sure. but yep. he, uh, he, he refers to the Bible as the first hyperlinked document. Hmm. Um, and the reason he talks about it that way is that he talks, he's just like, there's, all these verses that reference other verses and the way that you can navigate your way through the scriptures is almost endless because everything refers to everything else. And yeah. it's, it's remarkable that the Bible has a narrative, um, an overarching narrative when it was written, you know, by, you know, something like 40 different people over 1500 years or yeah. something like that. And, sure. and that's pretty remarkable. So, you, you know, I'm not one of these people that's like walks away from Christianity and then says just, it's, it's all a bunch of BS. I'm like, Mm. there's something there clearly, you know, I just don't think that it necessarily is the thing that I was taught that it is. Mm, That's right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yep. Well, John, we are just about at a time. I want to be respectful of your time because I got a short and from lunch. I know you got things that you got to do, but this has been awesome. Uh, I could talk to you all day. (laughs)
0: yeah i know i could talk to you all day too so (laughs) thank you we'll have to do it maybe
1: we could do it again sometime
0: sounds good man thanks so much for having me
1: oh you're very welcome you have a good one